good morning to you, Nigeria, and welcome to 104.3 FM Radio Jaws. All right, my name is Kaneng Double Gang, and uh, first and foremost, before I, you know, get started this morning, I want to sincerely apologize for starting way behind schedule. All right, uh, you know, just... Uh, technicalities sometimes it just can't be overlooked all right uh, once again you are listening to working together against coronavirus which is brought to you by search for common ground All right. Uh, well, the program is brought to you by search for common ground with funding support from the European Union and this morning, I'm not alone in the house. Well, I have uh, two amazing people. I have Matthew Tega with me, and he is a public relations officer as well as a blogger. All right, and this morning, I also have uh, Josie Shikwanuzibo. Mr. Josie, you would have to forgive me. This name is just not from Plateau. All right. And uh, Josie is also a digital influencer. Uh, influencer. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Thank you for well and, uh, for coming to the program this morning. Thank you very much. Matthew you're not saying anything. <laughs> well, um, thank you very much. It's the weather, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> the weather is a bit cold. All right. Uh, well, this program is all about coronavirus. And to get started, let me give you some shocking figures. Well, not too shocking to say, but, uh, well, it is very disturbing. Now, a total of 999 new confirmed coronavirus cases you know has uh, has been recorded in nigeria now this is not according to kaneng this is not according to matthew tega or josie it's according to the nigerian center for disease control and uh well we have the highest toll in lagos state having 416 while uh, abuja had 324 we just plateau having 42 cases and this is very very alarming i must say so because we don't have much time we will just get straight into you know the discussion this morning and uh well what are we going to be talking about this morning we would be looking at how covid19 pandemic has affected uh you know my listeners as well as uh you know my guests in the house we would start from there so you would give me you know you would go just straight to the point and tell me how covid19 has affected you but the major issue this morning morning we will try to demystify information as well as stigmatization and fear among COVID-19 pandemic so let's start with you Mr. Josie Joey please forgive me for for that all right okay. uh, Joey yeah. let's start with you how has COVID-19 affected you all right uh, my name is Joey Shekwonojimbo I use offline tools to solve online problems but then of course we know if you are in the digital space like myself the kind of work that i do and the likes of matitega too can actually attest to the fact that it really affected our industry you know we had to pivot the way we work you know it's no more nine to five most of us don't really like what nine do you to mean five. by nine to five <laughs> <laughs> going to work from nine to five mm. because our work is very is uh, virtual and i mean nothing really changed it's just the fact that we can't really go out on the regular i can remember even during the lockdown the likes of myself and matutega we were still working 
you know so personally i was just being scared not to contract uh, the virus mm. but uh, it's just so unfortunate uh, a few months ago i contracted it but i didn't even know how my goodness you understand so um i had to take some time off work you know uh go self-isolate you know it, it's just the process is actually very very you know J- joey share with us <laughs> your experience I'm, I'm more concerned about you uh, you know getting COVID 19 because a lot of people have their yeah. do not believe in its existence so having been a victim can yeah. you share with us how was it like how did you get to find out you had COVID 19 and how did you even know it was COVID? okay so first off i started feeling very ill i took ill had malaria and I was feeling very funny. So usually what I do is I don't self-medicate. So I have a lab where I usually go run my test. So after the test, I had to tell him that, man, I'm not really feeling myself, but I really need him to hasten, you know, the test uh, results. The test results came out and it turns out I had malaria and typhoid. So after he gave me, I, I called a family doctor and the family doctor prescribed and I took the medication as I just finished the treatment, a mm. uh, few days after, I discovered I lost this sense of taste and smell. And I was wondering, I mean, is this a joke? I had to go back, you know, I remember the symptoms that we were among the people that we were even pushing. I'm like, mm. I don't want to believe it's COVID, you know. So why did what was... What was the symptom like for you? Okay, for me, it was mm. I had malaria, I had typhoid. So I was restless, I couldn't sleep, I had headaches, like mm. I was just feeling uneasy with myself. So after that, the next thing I did was to go for a COVID test. Okay. So I, I called someone because I have a podcast where we actually had one of the virologists to talk about the impact of COVID-19 as of then during the lockdown. Yeah. So I contacted him, Dr. Solomon Cholom. He told me we had to go, gave me a contact. I went to UTC, met someone there, told him these are, this is what I'm feeling. I've taken medication, but then I can't smell or taste and I'm feeling it's COVID. Mm. He said, okay, I should just chill. And he said he loved the fact that I was able to like come out. Like, mm. So I told him I'm very aware of this. So what he did was they collected my sample, did the test. I was, I was sent to an isolation center very close to my house. Because he asked which axis was actually very close. Right, because we don't have much time, okay. I would want to know how long it took you to recover. Okay, it took me apparently, let's say, two weeks. Two weeks? Yeah. All right. After taking the medication, I was self-isolating at home and working from home. So I had to even distract myself from a whole lot. You mm. know. So basically, it took me two weeks to recover. All right. Okay. Matthew, over to you. Okay. Uh, can you share with us your experience now, the impact of COVID-19? Okay. on you now in particular okay uh good morning all um well i would say covid came to us uh basically as a surprise earlier on um we all thought it was a joke and just like joey talked about um our profession most times we work online and um um most times while working online you you never know that uh the world will come to a point where everything come to a standstill and everything has to be done online so it means uh you have to double your efforts it means that uh, you have to um, always sit up uh, i never knew how uh inconvenient it was for you to be locked at home for you to be to 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 stay at home two weeks without going out without having anywhere without visiting friends without meeting people so i feel um 
the effect was more on um, we thought it was yes we say the world is going global mm. um we are basically basically going to be working online most times and all that but i think it came to us while we're unprepared i think somebody asked me once um when you're talking about covid um um what how much of an impact has it uh had mm. on us as humans and yeah. i said basically came to us as a surprise nobody yeah uh, prepared for it and for you not preparing for something for you not seeing something coming at least you would have seen that possibly there would have been a day where you had to spend a month you had to spend months hmm. locked down without going to work nothing else mattered but uh just you being at home and staying safe so i feel it took out uh, that your daily livelihood, your mm. daily activity, and all that. And then um, some of us who even work online, mm. we thought it was it was cool for us, but it was not. All right. To be honest. All right, and uh, well, we are being joined by Yit Kim Leah Dadong. Thank you so much for joining us, Yit Kim, this morning. And Yit Kim is a legal practitioner and gender rights advocate, and uh, well, she is a regular. Uh, she is a homegirl. Uh, she has been here for on several occasions. So thank you so much, Yit Kim, for joining us this morning. So uh, talking about uh, demystifying information as well as stigmatization over the fears of COVID-19. Now, what is even misinformation? Well, the major keyword there, misinformation, is false or inaccurate information, as simple as that. An example of misinformation are false rumor insult and pranks so and uh, during this period that is COVID-19 <laughs> we've had a lot of pranks jokes sure. about COVID-19 <laughs> well some persons even took it serious but yeah. uh, you know that is misinformation for you and talking about another key word uh, stigmatization what really is stigmatization now stigmatization is when someone views you in a negative way because you have a, a, a distinctive character that is quite unusual. Now, that is what stigmatization is. Now, let's talk about this, uh, you know, talking about uh, misinformation. Now, there were some rumors that, uh, you know, surrounding COVID-19 that uh, the virus only affected the rich and it cannot be transmitted in areas with hot climate. Uh, that was what <laughs> we saw in Africa. Yeah. And then uh, we are still seeing that in Africa. Some people say, lie, lie, you know, go catch us for here. <laughs> the weather is hot. And some other person says it only affects the elderly people or yeah. older people. While some said it only strives in cold weather. Now we can see that in Europe and, of mm -hmm. course, other continents. Uh, well, the cases are surging every day, skyrocketing every day. And now some other persons also said taking hot water uh, bait uh, or rather ginger garlic and so many you know concussions would prevent you from getting coronavirus and some person says garlic can prevent the infections now these are the meats behind and as, as well as rumors behind COVID-19 yeah. so well uh, to you now my dear listeners well you can join us if you want to also share you know your thoughts and what you think about coronavirus or if you want to share that meat you heard about it well you can call us on 08164 Zero four one nine three five again zero eight one six four zero four one nine three five or you can call us on zero nine zero eight six one zero 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 one one well the truth is this is not the first time we're talking about this but because of the second wave sure. yes uh we have to really really emphasize on this all right we have someone online so let's get to hear from you hello good morning hello good morning 
Hello. Okay, I lost that call. Well, keep trying. Zero eight one six four zero four one nine three five or zero nine zero eight six one zero 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 one one. Now, Miss uh, Mrs. Rather, Mrs. Eatke. I'm always tempted to say Miss. Don't don't mind me. She looks very. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, having you know uh, defined misinformation and stigmatization. Now, let's look at uh, you know some questions I have for you. Now, how can we prevent misinformation? Um, ultimately by getting the right message across to people and how do you do that um, through sensitization and you can achieve sensitization either by going on radio as we're doing right now or going to religious leaders to help um, spread the proper information using traditional organizations using um, government agencies such as the National Orientation Agency using schools to teach children and teach students um, what the proper position of the you know situation is or the virus and how to you know handle it we can use social media it's very effective we can use print media as well newspapers magazines adverts basically even in church bulletins or um any form of manual that is printed you can get the proper information there we can also have it it's very effective when you have like peer educators who are now circulating these messages in among their peers um a good way of doing this is if you know that someone is um, an authority in a bar for example mm. you can make sure that you arm him with the proper information and so when he's hanging out with his friends at that bar he makes it a conscious effort to bring up that conversation hear what they are going to say about it and then correct them hmm. in schools in even informal settings village women meetings men's clubs things like that so that's a very proper way of you know getting the proper information across all right uh, now to you matthew now as a public relation officer as well as a digital influencer what role have you played in preventing or correcting misinformation about COVID-19? Well, I think um, basically we've tried to uh, share facts. Um, we've tried to uh, uh, send the right information out there. Uh, basically, as a public relations officer, most times it's your responsibility to uh, give a situation report um, as to what is really happening within Nigeria, especially as it affects COVID-19. Mm. Um, sometimes you are saddled with that responsibility, not just because um, you have such position, but because you have the listening ear of the public. So it is your responsibility to also get like minds, people who also have such um, such background to also share such information. Um, I think uh, a lot of people will come to you and say, uh, such information you're sharing or whatever you're talking about, they are all not true. They are all cooked up by the government. Mm -hmm. But I think we have a call to responsibility as individuals, first of all, even without having any other position or without calling yourself a digital influencer or anything. Uh, the call to responsibility is uh, the call for uh, humanity itself. It's something that is affecting the whole world. So um, if 
it's gonna be a lie why is it that we're lying to the whole world why not just get a people in a cave or get some people in one village and then lie to them about certain things so i think the responsibility is sharing the right information and as my role personally at um as a digital influencer i've tried on my own to share the right information by getting it from verified sources you have the ncdc they release statistics every day you have uh the ministry of health i think um there was this point when Easter and plateau state that i had to go and look for the commissioner of uh, health, health himself hmm. and i needed to get certain figures i needed to get certain assertions and then put them out there because lots of people were asking me questions mm. and then um it was my responsibility it was not like anybody paid me to do all that but i took it up as a responsibility because uh, i know the health of uh people who are out there the health of those uh, family members uh really really matter i think there was something i heard recently that um it does not just have to happen to you first or it doesn't have to kill somebody that is close to you or cause the death of so many before you get to believe. It's just simply just be responsible as a human and do the right thing. All right. Now, let me go back to Joey. Joey, yeah. now you also are a digital influencer. So what role have you also played in preventing and also correcting these misinformations surrounding COVID-19? So this is very shocking to my generation, mm. talking about the millennials. You know, we've never had such in our own history. So uh, I, I took that responsibility as a podcaster. I had series, I interviewed people, experts that they came, told us one or two things that we should understand and also uh, find a way to demystify um, the myths. Because some people can be very religious and say, ah, God will never allow COVID. I mean, I had, <laughs> I had to use list, some listening tools to understand the mm. pulse of people, to, to understand what they are, the kind of conversations they are having online. And what I did was to invite someone to just come talk to us. So we currently, we are working with um, a Search for Common Ground. Matt Stegger is part of the team. Mm. We, a collection of influencers here on the plateau and Nigeria. We are part of this group. Uh, what we are doing is to use our various niche, use our various tools. I'm doing more of the social media and mm. podcasting and, of course, my blog to ensure that a lot of people, because I know when I talk, people listen to me. Mm. So I have some sort of influence. So I'm using all of these platforms to ensure that people get the right message. So that's how far I've gone. Talking about uh, misinformation, Joey, yeah. uh, yes, we have, uh, you know, lots of misconception, uh, misconception as well as myths surrounding COVID-19, no doubt. Now, yeah. despite all of these efforts being put in place by, you know, media practitioners and a whole lot of people talking about medical practitioners as well, yeah. people still do not believe in its existence. Can you tell us why? Because you have interacted with the people. Can you tell us why? Okay, so... Um, when I let me start personally, when I got the virus, a lot mm. of people didn't believe me. Okay. They thought I was just looking for attention. So what I did at first was to not to say anything about it. I had some triggers. Mm. Okay, so I was like, guys, I, I can't taste and smell, and that was my last tweet I made. So do you know that a lot of people reached out to me, Joey? You made a tweet some time ago. How are you feeling? I told them I'm not feeling very good. 
So what I did was, I, I think the best time to announce my status was when I got, when I went for the treatment and I tasted negative. That was when I came out mm. and said, guys, okay, I'm good. And thank God for the platform that we have. I had to use that uh, means to sell the story so that people can believe. So why were you scared of sharing? No, I, I wasn't scared initially. Mm. Um, it had a lot of implication. You know, so I was just... What well, are those implications? Scared. We really want to know <laughs> those implications. Okay, yeah. um, mm. I didn't want to go viral. Okay. Yeah, I didn't want to go viral. I wanted to... I, wanted, I just wanted to allow the result to but be out were, were you scared of the stigmatization? I wasn't. I was never scared. I'm highly motivated, so... <laughs> <laughs> well, well I, I would say Joe is not really, not really <laughs> owning up to it. <laughs> because... First of all, when yes. when stigmatization starts with your immediate environment, mm. yeah, your place of work, mm -hmm. how they take such a story, yes. um, your family members, your friends, and all that. I think uh, basically sometimes we might deny the obvious, but it's <laughs> just out there for everybody. To see. Right. <laughs> sorry, sorry to add. Um, when right. it happened, we, we have to engage <laughs> team there, but okay. go on, go on. So when it happened, I never told anyone. Surprisingly, okay. I only told my dad because I was meant to attend my sister's wedding. So I told him, this is what happened. He now said, this is between us. <laughs> and I never attended. Because he knows if you should tell them, mm. he would just cast me and everything would be viral. And probably the wedding wouldn't have, you know. Uh, you right? understand. So exactly. I had to do the needful. So it came, you survived COVID-19. Now share with us. Were you scared of sharing that information? Um, my situation was very different in the sense that mm. at first we were not sure if it was COVID. And then again, I have to emphasize that I didn't go to tests, but um, when the rest of my family members had mm. their results out and mm. it's confirmed, so of course the rest of us who refused to go and test because mm -hmm. it was painful, um, now confirmed that that was why we were all sick at the same time. Yeah. And for me, long after I had finished the medication, because the moment mm. um, my brother-in-law notified the NCDC center here in Joss, mm. he being a doctor as well, they came and they took samples and everything and they gave all of us the same medication according to our age and according to you know varying doses so i was already on medication and then at the time the test results came we had already finished the medication and their mm. results were confirmed and i knew that okay i had survived covid <laughs> but i wasn't scared to share it with people and at the time i was actively ill because i had symptoms unlike people who are asymptomatic i had symptoms and so i had you know we had locked ourselves in well, and what anybody, were your symptoms can you share with us i had this headache that wouldn't go okay which was the first thing for me mm. and i thought it was just my um allergies kicking in until i now realized i couldn't smell i couldn't taste and then literally if i poke myself i had pains my skin mm. my entire skin hurts so um there was that i didn't have a fever okay yeah but the headache was there and i would have to take paracetamol every four hours oh. then the moment i started treatment i think it coupled with the side effects of the dosage they were giving us very high, high zinc mm. yeah you know and all that <laughs> so it's compounded the issues for me and so we had to stay locked in and made sure that we were treated first but were you scared of uh, stigmatization not at all mm. I, in fact i was the one telling people please avoid me because <laughs> i think i have covid right now 
and some people are stubborn mm. very stubborn even when i told them to avoid me they still came to my house Mm. They say, ah, this is not a kill African. Ah, mm. it's political. Oh, wow. it is this. Mm. And they would still come. But we thank God for their lives. I don't know if they later had or they <laughs> didn't want to tell us. But yeah. So mm. basically, like the symptoms. And then even after I had finished treatment, I still couldn't smell or taste for another two weeks. Okay. Yeah. Even after I had finished treatment and I was fine. I couldn't smell. I couldn't taste. All right. It was as bad as opening sniper and putting passing it through. Mm-hmm. Hmm. across my nose and I couldn't perceive it. That was yeah. that was really Pepe, serious. If I grind and <laughs> yeah. ginger or mix them anything. together, I'll put it on my tongue. I can't feel jack. Yeah. Same thing happened to me. It was that bad. It was that bad. <laughs> okay, well my listener, you're listening to me and uh well these are some of you know for this is this is first hand information. Yes, yeah. yeah, this is first-hand information. These are people who have survived coronavirus. Now, if you want to call us, you still believe or you don't believe in co- coronavirus, well, you can still call us and, you know, talk to us, share your experience with us and tell us why, perhaps, if you do not believe in its existence. So, you can call us on 0816404-1935 or better still, you can call us on 090-861-00011. Again, 090 090- Nine zero eight six one zero 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 one one or zero eight one six four zero four one nine three five. And let me be honest with you, Yit Kim is the first uh, survivor I've met. Yes, <laughs> honestly, even when uh, you know people kept saying go to the isolation centers, well, I never went. And Yit Kim came to the program and then she announced it. I was whoa, really? All right, we have someone online. Hello, good morning to you. Hello. Hi. Good morning. Okay, maybe she just called to say hello. All right, uh, please call us again if you can. Well, now, uh, over to you, Matthew Tega. Now, how would you rate the government's effort to curb misinformation as well as stigmatization? Do you think uh, society was well informed by the government now? Well, I think uh, the proactiveness of uh, the NCDC, first of all, must be commended. Okay. Uh, I, I think uh, they became one of the most active uh, government agency yeah. as it regards as it regards information about COVID-19, and uh, they give us daily updates, NTA, and all that. Uh, even the states followed with the um, the. All right, Matthew, we have someone online. I'm sorry, I have to take this call. It's very important. We listen to the opinions of our listeners. Hello, good morning. Hello. Hi. Good morning. Fine, thank you. My day is going well. All right, tell us your name and where you're calling us from. My name is Jesse, calling from Bokos. All right, Jesse. Yes. All right, thank you so much for joining us, Jesse. Jesse, what do you have for us this morning? All right, I'm sure that that must be a child who is using his parents' phone to say hello. Well, thank you so much. And Jesse, please do stay safe, okay? Coronavirus is real. I think we need to start telling our kids so because also kids these days don't even believe in its existence <laughs> all right you were saying something matthew please okay, go okay. on uh, just yeah. like i was saying i said um and then uh so many uh the states put in place tax force mm. uh to ensure uh safety of uh, both citizens but I'll, I'll say something that as nigerians we always have that nigerian factor that uh until we see uh, we're just like um we're just like well like but seeing is mo- believing a monkey that always mm. wants to see the hunter's gone before he gets to believe that honestly this hunter really shoots me so I, I i believe 
a lot was done by the government, but it was not that sufficient um, because of the Nigerian factor that's uh, in quotes that uh, is there. But that's why I said there's a call to responsibility. Information is not just mm. the responsibility of the government. government. When it comes to information, most especially. Um, for every rumor, uh, um, there's that element of, of truth. Of truth. Mm. So um, all you need to do is just search. And then find out what, how, how, uh, how real is this? How truthful is this uh, rumor that is going through that that possibly might lead to misinformation if it's not properly checked? So I'll say the government uh, did uh, their best. Uh, not really their best. They would have done better. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joey. I think I would have to. I, I would have to also ask you that question because you are a digital influencer. So, okay. how would you rate the government's effort in curbing misinformation as well as stigmatization? I think I'll just rate them as good. Right. Why yeah. good? Um, they've they've done a lot. Mm. I mean, even the Ministry of Health. You know, if you go to their social media handle, it's very active. I mean, even on the plateau, we had COVID-19 situation room, that of which I was part of, you know. So I think, I think they're good. Oh, yeah, okay. They're good. Now, I, I, I'm, I'm beginning <laughs> to feel your bias because... <laughs> I, I <laughs> no, it's, not, it's not about being biased. It's about checking, checking yeah. um, what would have been. Uh, like I said, what is ideal? The, the, the NCDC. No, I'm not. I'm not talking most, about you yeah. know urban centers, but yeah. as well as rural communities because yeah. it goes Which a long exactly way. All right, very well. <laughs> it came. Somebody yeah. did good when the, the person only acted within the urban cities. Mm. The, the mm. villages, Shandam, Kwampan, um, Mangu. Mm. What was the situation of COVID? All right, sorry, it came. We have someone online. Okay, I lost that's, that person. That's less than yeah. even average. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Because if you concentrate only on the urban centers, activities were going on in the villages. Yes, you announced a lockdown. Were these people really, was it being enforced? It is one thing to say something, to announce a policy. It is a whole other thing to mm. enforce it. Uh, and then okay. when you have a situation room mm. and I call you and I have an issue and you do not come to respond, mm. you tell someone who is suspected of having COVID to drive down or to find their way to the center where they'll get tested. How is that even good? That is less than average to me. Okay. Even in the centers, then people in Shandam mm. or people in Mikang, if they're suspect to, or suspected to have COVID, where ambulances going there to pick them up and bring them to the centers. Let's be practical. I think it's the preparedness of the state government, you know, because this thing came as a shock, you know, and they had to, they did try it. All right, I mean, Joey, let, let's sorry, not say... we have someone, <laughs> we have someone online. Hello, good morning. Hello, good morning. Yes, good, yes, good morning to you. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us on the program. All right, Christopher, all the way from Bauchi. Yes. Where in Bauchi are you calling yeah. us from? Gindri. Kuru. Kuru. Toro. Okay, Toro. Toro, local government area of Bauchi. All right, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. Hmm. Why don't you believe? Christopher, can you come down to DCTFM right now? 
If you can come, you will testify. All right, thank you so much, Christopher. <laughs> All right, thank you so much, Christopher. We appreciate you. All right, now. I think it's painful. Mm. I, I think it's painful. All right, we when have you, someone. You hear someone okay. say that. that was a flash. Okay. No, Hello, good morning. Hello. Okay, uh, well, please do not flash you me. You understand mm. why they are saying Yeah, this. it's a Nigerian yes, factor. Because, yeah. yeah. We do not exactly go to the hospital in good time to get yeah. tested mm -hmm. and get results yeah. and do mm. some of these things. It's not a culture. A lot of us go through um, self-medication. Self mm. And then for After people everything. who cannot even afford orthodox medicine, you already have traditional. a plethora of uh, <laughs> traditional drugs that you would have pumped down your throat <laughs> before you now decide, okay, let me go to the hospital. Yeah. A lot of times whatever you're dealing with would have degenerated and maybe you're at the point of death yeah. or at the point where you have to be committed to the facility yeah. to get proper treatment. Then you believe and that the you problem have, is, yeah. even when um, patients, inpatients mm -hmm. are being treated for a particular disease, you still find that their relatives bring in herbal medicine. True. So to Even supplement. Even while they're taking orthodox medicine in the <laughs> hospital. I, I was admitted with my son sometime in mm. December last year. Yeah. And then you would realize that these poor children are being fed. <laughs> the doctors I come, give injection and everything. When they leave, <laughs> the relatives will bring herbs put it inside bottle, mm. force it down the child's truth. <laughs> and so there's counter-interaction of yeah. these things. All right. And it's, it's just unfortunate that that's our attitude towards health. All right. Uh, now, uh, I think we need to begin to run, uh, wrap it up this morning on the program. But before then, uh, it came, what would you recommend the government and the people do differently in terms of, uh, you know, misinformation and, term, uh, of course, stigmatization now? Um... You see, a lot of work has to be done. We have um, public health facilities in villages. And in those villages, you will find out that only community health workers yeah. are there. There's no doctor. And then they cannot even test for COVID in such places. And even where you have community health workers there, you find that it's one person manning the whole facility True. in a village that has about 500,000 people. Yeah. So it's not enough. It's not enough. Um, the, info, the proper information should be, they should liars with the traditional organizations. That's the, um, the traditional council now. Okay. When you have chiefs having proper information, mm -hmm. they'll translate this thing to their various dialects and they'll inform people. We have women leaders, we mm. have youth leaders, we have even um, children that have groups and whatever functions in a typical African setting. Yeah. And so if you want information at the grassroots, mm. then you have to make use of these grassroots um, systems, these grassroots um, structures yeah. to get the information across, which government is not doing. In my candid opinion, government is not doing it because I interact with people in villages mm. that still do not even understand what COVID is and how it is passed across. Yeah. If at this level mm. of having months of combating this particular virus, we haven't gotten the barest information, even understanding what a virus is across to these rural people, we cannot move without them. Sure. All right, thank it you. It came. We, we don't have much time. It came. I have to engage, uh, you know, Matthew and Co. All right, Matthew. Even as we talk, as we speak right now on radio, I am telling you, Matthew, a lot of people out there, 
I can assure you, are saying persons who just surutunso about coronavirus. Now, do you think, or what do you think the government can do, as well as people do differently to convince people that coronavirus really exists? I, I think when you say uh, we need to convince people, um, uh, your health is your wealth. Hmm. Uh, I think generally nobody should tell you that uh, you need uh, you need good health. Uh, I think when you're down sick, then you know the real importance of health. Matthew, do you so, know why I'm saying so, this? Why we need to convince yeah. people? Because if we do not convince them, of course they are interacting with other people and that is how the 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 virus keeps spreading so mm -hmm. we really need to yes that's yes. that's where i'm going to i mm. just like i i said um now it's our responsibility like i say it's a call to responsibility it's our responsibility i have you have people in the villages you have um you have uh you have people in the community it's your responsibility as human to care for others. Now, it's not, yes, uh, Joey said, uh, it's not in our culture to have a proper health. We, we don't even have a proper We don't have system. a good routine. We don't even have a good routine. How many people go for checkups? How many people fall ill and go for tests first? Matthew, you need to round up because we have to okay. get out of here. So mm -hmm. now the issue is um, we need to be out there. We need to take responsibility of pushing out such information. It's not just for the government, just like it mm. is blaming the government, government, government. Now, for the COVID-19 lockdown, I went... I went to almost uh, 11, 12 local government during mm. the lockdown from my own pocket to ensure that people um, people are safe are safer. All right, thank you so much, let's, Matthew. Let's take that as a call to responsibility All individually. Right. Thank you so thank much. You. Matthew, I think I would have you again on the program because you have a lot of <laughs> things to tell us. Now, we don't have time. Yeah. So, Joey, all right, what would be your last comment this morning? Okay, I think I agree with you, Kim, on that aspect of involving the local people. Hmm. These are people that live with us, like, directly. So, if the religious leaders too can also be involved because it's a collective effort i mean you can't leave the work how many people are on social media for instance but you people still go to church so imagine you, the the pastor the imam is telling us telling the people his followers are guys see this thing is real mm. i've met someone this is how the picture looks like this is how you need to you know so i feel there should be a collective effort in also involving the locals thank you so much yeah. joey thank you all right and this is where we have to wrap it up this morning on the program i promise you i'll have these guys back to the <laughs> studio because I, I really enjoyed you know the, the conversation all right thank you so much for listening to you know working together against coronavirus brought to you by search uh, for common ground with funding support from the European Union. On behalf of my producer, Juliana Ahua Aikanengdavo Gang, uh, who is your host this morning, I want to say thank you so much for listening. And uh, thank you so much to, uh, okay, Spence. Okay, thank you so much. <laughs> All right, take care. I love you and do have a nice day. And remember, stay safe. COVID 19 is real. Let's take responsibility. Your life is precious. Bye and God bless you.